I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Your boys back in action here with the Life Must Go On uh, podcast. Again. What? Back again. <laughs> That's a beautiful voice. Oh, Could you, you. No, how about you do, do it again? You do the intro. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, you sound like. To the Life Must Go On podcast. You, you've never played Halo, huh? Uh, I dabble. <laughs> in Halo, he said, you sound like the dude every time you get like a double kill. He's double kill. Double kill. <laughs> you just sound more like... Or it's like know, in um, Call of Duty, it's like, Max Ammo. <laughs> it's right? not even like that. It's like a... Max Ammo. It's like a screech. It's like, Max Ammo. Because it's a zombie saying it. You only get that in zombies. Uh, but then what's like... Okay, whatever. <laughs> Clearly I'm a gamer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll update you. We'll update <laughs> you. I'm not even a gamer, but I know these things from my history. Sure. Of being a big baller, you know? Yeah, you know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, welcome back, ladies and gents. Um, here we are, Life Must Go On podcast. Um, as you've just heard, co-host Hayden, as always. Everybody give him a round of applause. Beautiful. So obnoxious. Your host, as always, Mr. Monson Flake. Another round of applause. Beautiful, beautiful. So, we got a really cool episode today. We're going to jump right into it. Um, today on the podcast, it's actually just me and Hayden. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be a good time. Um, before I jump into that, this last week, as always, episode did really well, went really good. Um, my boy Ali had a great time, and he got a lot of positive feedback on his end. We got a lot of positive feedback. It was really cool. Um, just being able to get to know him. If you haven't watched it and you're listening to this one, then go back and listen to that one, and then come listen to this one. In fact, go back and listen to all of them. In fact, while we're on the matter, is there a reason that we don't have 500 million subscribers? Do you have a reason, Hayden? I, Other than my name's not Joe Rogan, I, I don't see why not. I, do, I just don't get it. It yes, doesn't make much don't, sense don't understand. to me. You know what I mean? Like, you get people dancing on the freaking couch, getting millions of subscribers, and... I guess I just need a better booty. Oh, you got a nice booty, though, if I'm being honest. Dude, if I stood up, <laughs> how, many, how many people would watch that? We <laughs> could raise you from your wheelchair. Dude. Whether we have cords or not, it might be cool. Could you imagine? Oh, I could imagine. <laughs> on uh, about it all night. When I was in when I was in South Africa, there is a lot of really intense churches out there, and there is <laughs> this one guy in specific. I can't remember his name, but uh, he would like quote unquote raise people from the dead, and, and no offense to him, but it was the biggest joke. <laughs> It's like so acted out, and they put it on TV, and then he'd come up and like slap them in the head, and then they would stand up, and everybody would be losing their minds. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, anywho, so upcoming schedule next week is going to be really awesome. We have Hayden's friend Jeff that's going to be coming on. Yeah. Um, just a quick little snippet, so you don't get too indulged. He is a DJ, um, and he's not just any DJ. He's He's, he's worked with some big people. That's what we'll say for now. Let's just say he's not dealing with your local YMCA event, but he's dealing with some, some big events. So we're going to touch up on that next week, but that's a little snippet for you so you can get excited for it. It's going to be really cool. We're just going to talk about him, mental health, all those good things. Um, and then in the next upcoming weeks, we have another really awesome person, which you'll hear from. Once again, we'll just talk about it more next week. You know, I'm not even going to give it to him. It's just really dope. Just know that he's a war veteran, like legit war, and it's going to be super cool. So excited for that coming up. As far as today, we're also going to be talking about mental health, really. Um, that's kind of what it's going to lead up to. But I realized that I have never... I've been giving you guys all this positive talk and all this life must go on talk, and I've just given snippets of why I decided to do this podcast and why I decided to make it a priority in my life to kind of help other people to have positivity. I realize I've never really 
dove into my side of the story <laughs> like, where it all came from yeah exactly where yeah. the idea came from and 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 where where i don't know where i come from where, where the situation is and so i'm actually going to turn it over to hayden he's going to kind of conduct everything but we're kind of just going to talk about a lot so let's just do it Alrighty. thanks monson um yeah i've got a couple questions for you i know kind of your your main reason for wanting to film this this little episode here is, is you want people to kind of understand the backstory of Monson Flake, right? Hmm. You want people to to know kind of the events in your life that have shaped you to be who I know as this great, thoughtful, kind person. Six out of ten, really, really. You're the four I need. <laughs> 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 Together we'd be, we'd be a ten out of ten. <laughs> we would be. Six yeah, and four. We're balling. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like just to, to let your listeners and I guess everyone know like what's what's really shaped that. So if we kinda go back, what's kind of your backstory? Where where have you lived? Because I know people want to know where that psycho accent comes from. Because it ain't from Provo, <laughs> I tell you that much. Ain't and nobody then, know where the accent comes from. <laughs> on top of that, kind of like what did kind of family life look like? Hmm. I know there's couple things going on there and then we'll kind of go from there so if you want to start out with yeah. that yeah there's a lot to unpack there the family situation so we'll touch up on that <laughs> um but uh the accent yeah i don't know if anybody listening wonders where i'm actually from but i am for the most part from utah he's as white as it can be so i don't know where it comes from in all honesty it's like a mixture of being a little gangster as a boy you know, that kind of stuff, playing basketball, and then the mixture of, like, the country in there from my cousins. I don't know. It doesn't even matter, but it's hilarious. People ask me all the time, where are you from? And I tell them Provo, and they're, like, shocked, which is just fun to me. They're, like, not, like, down south or, like, yeah, Mars? Like, not from- <laughs> You're not an alien? Um, anywho, so, yeah, I was born in St. George, Utah. Um, wonderful place. Beautiful. We love St. George. It's the streets. St. Jeezy. Good mm-hmm. times. Um, we lived there for just a little bit up until my parents got divorced. Um, I was probably like two when my parents had gotten divorced, but then we didn't move up until I was probably like four, probably. Okay. And so after the divorce, there's obviously a lot of situations there that causes problems and legal she is. And it's a very long process is what I've learned over the years (laughs) is just like, asking more questions to like my dad like how does this work yada yada it's a long process you know and there's a lot of legal things especially i'm number eight of ten children um from my biological parents mom and dad i am number eight so i'm the youngest and then the two that are younger than me are my stepsister and my half brother and so all one giant ten child family that's so confusing i don't know how you keep track of all of that (laughs) i gotta do a family i did a family tree for my friend one time but yeah, maybe I'll toss a family tree up on Instagram. Dude, There's I a need family. a family tree. I've been living with you for a while, and I still don't understand it all. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them, and they're all over. They're all in different places of the right everywhere. So you were there. So yes, in St. George. Easy, and then where'd you move after that? From there, we moved to 10 IC. 10, mm. you're the only 10 IC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then where? Um, and then after Tennessee, we moved to Payson, Utah. That's where it was, Payson. Anywhere else? Um, Hicktown. And then we moved to Alberta, Utah. Alberta, and, Canada. And Alberta, Utah. Nothing. Al, Alberta. Um, population 10. My family. It was absolutely the worst place on earth. It's like if you walked into Walmart and counted how many people there, you've got Alberta. Yeah. No. Is seriously. Right? Like, dude. Not, not even Walmart because the Walmart here is filled with people. That's um, true. Yeah. The Walmart, you know down the road we'll there. say it's like the amount of people you can fit in penguin brothers on a friday night yes gotcha <laughs> yes okay that's the entire town <laughs> and and i'm like i'm not kidding it is such a small town that there literally is no gas station out there no you have cops. to go to the next little city over which is called goshen <laughs> okay nobody knows anything alberta's not even if you go on the map i don't know how it is today the old maps when i lived there it's not on the map it's, there's a sign on the I-15 when you're passing it. Yes. Like, and it says Alberta. Alberta. This way. No services. <laughs> and it doesn't, Do not come here. Well, it doesn't make any sense because in Saratoga Springs even, just a ways away from where we live, everybody, in Saratoga Springs there's a sign that says Alberta and there's this road 
from Saratoga that connects all the way to Alberta. No way. Which is like an hour drive. <laughs> um, probably some single one-way yep. gravel road. Yep, and it's just the worst. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, such a small, awful town. To touch up on that, um, one example that's been huge to me in my life in, in all the moving process is my my dad is just such a stellar dude. And he, all he's done his whole life is worked, like, seriously. Like, when I, when I tell people his story as far as how hard of a worker he is, I don't think they fully comprehend it. I've never in my entire life, zero exaggeration, not because he's my pops. I mean, believe me, we don't, we haven't always seen eye to eye. So I'm not just hyping him up to hype him up, but not just because he's my dad, but like he literally is the hardest working human I've ever seen. He will not stop at anything. It's, it's, it's insane. And so moving was a really big challenge because he moved when he was young. Like, I can't remember the number, but before he turned 16, I think it was like 30-something times. Just insane. Always from a poor family, poor circumstances, great people, but just, you know, took took a couple poor lots. And so when it came to my dad's uh, getting going through the divorce, I mean, that's just, you know, tip of the iceberg there. But he didn't go to college and barely graduated high school because he moved so much. I mean, he moved high schools, what, (laughs) pretty much every year. And so he, he, he just didn't have any kind of education so all he's done his whole life is manual labor and it's just incredible to see the way that he works and for us to have a family as big as we did and my father is the one who got the custody of the kids um, and for us to have a family as big as we did and for him with a very low income to take care of all of us is amazing it's incredible um like we were very poor <laughs> sometimes i don't realize it because when you're young, you're thankfully a little bit more grateful for what you have. You just don't care. Yeah, exactly. And you really have no idea. Exactly. And so growing up, we were very poor. Um, and uh, in Alberta specifically, I mean, like, when I talk about at the time, things are a lot better now, especially for, you know, my dad and his situation. But at the time, we were, you know, he was working at a dairy farm, which is the only thing in Alberta, just a huge farm. Um, they're the ones who make the cookies and cream chocolate milk. Oh, That's really? them. Yeah, it's BYU's farm. Yeah, or the churches. Um, and so he was working there, and he, you know, thirteen, fifteen dollar an hour to take care of eight children. Uh, good luck. You know what I mean? Seriously. Somehow was able to do so. Always went to bed with food. Um, sure, it was the same spaghetti and meatballs every freaking night. Yeah. I hate spaghetti. Probably because of that. That is exactly why. That is exactly why. We had, my pops loved the guy, like I said, but brother does not cook. Um, <laughs> and so we ate spaghetti and Stouffer's lasagna pretty much all the freaking time. Dude, those are the two life. things you hate is lasagna and spaghetti. I'm telling you, and this is why. Now I know why. You see? It's, Dude. It, it's such a, oh, oh, I think about spaghetti and I think about lasagna just and I'm just like. Gag reflex kicks <sighs> in. So many years. And I get, I can eat it now and. Wait, is there anything else he made? Not really. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm like, Pops, why didn't you change the sauce at least? Give us some Alfredo sauce or something. But Alfredo sauce was like, probably, you know, Pops, 20. gas wasn't six bucks back then. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, Alfredo sauce was probably like 20 cents more expensive. So he's that's like, I'm just going to get marinara. You yeah. Know? And, oh, gee. Hey, that's not bad, but I can imagine every day. Like, yeah, yeah, you get real sick of it really fast. You see it on your plate. You smell it and you're like. Well, it's either, <laughs> it's either that or we ate like Hostess stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding not dude I'm surprised I'm not morbidly obese because in the childhood days all we ate was like Twinkies Zingers oh like the cheap stuff right the only stuff Alberta had exactly so we would eat uh, it, it was just tough it was really tough when I when I look back it was tough in the moment eating Twinkies and Zingers for dinner I'm pumped dude, bro. you loved it As a little kid, dad I'm, was the man yeah I'm like that boy pops us a sub and I look back and I'm like oh yeah we were in poverty <laughs> that's what that is <laughs> and uh so so we we were really really poor and I mean we always kind of had been um up until in Alberta my dad met my stepmom um Lisa and he they got remarried and they got married when I was probably in fourth grade um and so they got married, and Lisa, thankfully, <laughs> came from a little luckier lot as far as financial. 
And so it honestly saved us a lot. And I look back at our tiny little house in Alberta. We had a triple bunk bed. A triple freaking bunk bed. Like three stories like high? Three like three stories high. Okay. So, that be, so Because, I mean, once again, who's at the house? Me, my brother, my brother, my sister, my sister, my sister, um, and then my other brother. Was that like a stutter? So like a brother, sister, brother? <laughs> no, no. I was, just going, <laughs> I was just going through. I didn't want to say their names because it... You're good. It, this, it sounds absurd. <laughs> anywho, but um, anywho, I... We had that many, so we had seven people at the house. My oldest brother, William, he actually moved in with my mom after the divorce. And so he was the one person that lived there because he was old enough. Okay. He wanted to live there. So it just is what it is. There's, you know, a lot of dynamics to it, like I said. And uh, so in this tiny house, it's probably what? A two-bedroom house? <laughs> a three-bedroom house, maybe? Yeah. Three bedrooms because my sisters were all in one room and us boys were all in the other room. And uh, triple bunk bed, me being the smallest of the brothers, I'm at the very top. And the reason I was at the top was one, because there's the least amount of room between the roof and your bed. You probably had like a foot. Yeah, like hardly any room. Less. Um, it took me a good month or three to get used to waking up and not just clacking my head on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> you open um, your eyes and the eyelids hit the roof. Yep. And my dad, I know he picked this triple bunk bed up from some, either a yard sale, the Desiree Industries, which is like a thrift store. Or the, or like, he probably found it in a dumpster. That's what he's always done. And uh, the top floor of this bunk bed, it had less screws than the other ones. And so I had to sleep at the top no matter what, because I was the smallest. The lightest. And I laid the, yeah, I laid the least. <laughs> just, I just imagine Monson now on the top bunk. Falling <laughs> like right through everything. 100%. And so I slept on the top, had to get used to knocking my head on in the morning, and I did fall off a time or two. But now in my sleep, I don't move. And I think this, this is, is why. true. I can like sit right next to the edge and I won't fall off. And I think this is, that's why. I'm like, my brain has trained itself. I'm the same way, dude. Hey. For other reasons. Yeah, well, yeah, you just can't. Can't move. <laughs> 100%. Um, same but different. Yes, exactly. And so that, that was the circumstances as a young boy. But once again, like... When you're young, it, it doesn't really cross your mind. It's really cool right. that you're just so innocent. And I remember the first time my dad, once again, humblest, hardest working guy ever. And I remember one time I was running down to like a yard sale or something for him to grab something. <laughs> and he gave me, I grabbed a plastic bag to pick something up. I can't remember what I was getting. I was grabbing something in a plastic bag. Okay. Maybe it was an activity at, with some buddies or something. I don't know. Anywho, and he gave me this plastic bag, and I was pretty young still, so I don't remember it all clearly, but I got this bag, and it was from the DI, from the thrift store, okay. and he stopped, he said, wait, before you go out, and he grabbed a different bag, like a Walmart bag, and was like, we don't want people to think we're too poor, <laughs> so he swapped it, and gave me this Walmart bag, and that was the first time in my life I realized that we were poor, that oh. was the first time it clicked. When he swapped the grocery yeah. bags. And he was like, hey, take this one. It's a little better for you. <laughs> I was like, it was the first time it clicked in my hmm. mind. I was like, huh. And part of that, like when I first say that, people might think that's my dad not necessarily being like humble. But no, it's more in the sense of like he is so hardworking and so to his fault and benefit stubborn that he doesn't want people to think he needs help. Right. Um, so message that I'll throw out there, if you need help, get help. <laughs> My dad is just a little too stubborn, and it's amazing the things that he's done on his own and how he's been able to provide for us while we were young and everything. But as far as, you know, emotionally, it's damaged him, and it damages a lot of people when you don't ask for help. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. It's it's hard to ask for help because you like don't always trust everybody to do. Well, and you feel like you're doing them a disservice. You're like, mm. now they have to go out of their way to do something for me when I could probably do it myself. Like, why yeah. would I? I mean, you've seen me all the time. Like, I mm. hesitate to ask for help. Yeah, because I just don't want people to hate me <laughs> because I'm like so needy. But at the end of the day, like, I hate you without you asking. By the way, well, yeah, that's a given. But. <laughs> You want, you just want to give people the opportunity to serve. In my opinion, I'm like the best way to serve someone else is to let them serve you. It's true. A lot of the time, because as white folk, we hate like interactions with others for some reason. 
You know, like any kind of like, like, and you just watch this. If you stand in front of someone and you're talking to them for the first time, there's probably like, like without even knowing we had to social distance for COVID, we were already doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like and we didn't become nature. conscious of it until COVID hit. Yeah. But then you go like South America or I'm guessing Africa as well. They're just waving at each you're other. Like, you're like sticking tongues down each other's throats when you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you had to take it there. Well, it's like, nice to meet you. And you're like, give him a kiss on the cheek or something, at least in Mexico, yeah, South I America. Right? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And so naturally as people, we don't want to ask for help and, and we like to keep it to. But people love it. I love helping people. Uh, yeah. it's uh, that's, the, uh, that's the thing is like, it's, it's so the backwards. fear of doing it. But then really, in all reality, people at the end of the day will enjoy it in the long run and it's better for them too we're social beings as humans we're social create creatures and so we need to be social just don't abuse it exactly and then as yeah of course you got to be self-sufficient so on so forth and so my dad very self-sufficient but too (laughs) self-sufficient yeah and if he's listening to this right now he knows he knows how he is and he knows he's stubborn he's rolling his eyes he's rolling his eyes but he knows i love um so alberta yes l alberta alberta there you go then from there, that's when Lisa came move. in, and we moved to Provo. To Provo, gotcha. Pete down, whoop, whoop. and we're still here in Provo, still having a great time. Moved to one house in Provo when they got married. They had their wedding; it was great. Um, it's all unique, and adding another mother into your life is very strange. Um, I remember having a cool life lesson with some neighborhood boy that was like, "Oh, you still call her Lisa?" <laughs> I was like. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's who she is. What do you She's mean? Not mom. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? That's just different. And uh, eventually, he was talking to me. He's like, you, you should call him. You should call mom. You know, because it's hard for her. And it clicked. And I was like, he's probably right. Oh, on him. <laughs> I know. I was like, it's probably. That's like, Christian Cardoso. If you're out there, Christian, love you, brother. Like twelve year old kid telling you that. Yeah, at the time, just a wow. cute little boy, man. Like he was real. And I mean, I've grown up wow. around him and his dad for the longest time. Super awesome people. Um, but. Yeah, just 12-year-old little boy Christian down the street just telling me, hey, mom, hey, dude, your your mom probably wants it to hear mom, you know, just dude, to feel more included in the family, you know? Yeah, good kid. And so, I don't know, you learn those things, and, and, and while I was young and going through the divorce, or going through the marriage, sorry, it's just different. And so piecing those things together, it teaches you a lot of life lessons. And so the divorce, thank the man above, since I was a little boy, I always had such a clear direction as far as what, in my, you know, opinion in my life, like what God wanted me to do and who God wanted me to be. My actions, however, didn't always line up with this. (laughs) And I made some stupid mistakes. I was young and dumb. And then you start pitying yourself. You're like, oh, well, if my family was better, uh... I wouldn't make these decisions. You know what I mean? And you're just right. feeding yourself BS. And really, yeah, exactly. Just excuses. Um, and of course, it does have an effect. And like we've talked, it has a, for sure an emotional effect. Right. I do for sure feel fear of like abandonment and all that stuff with, I don't know. You, you do fear those things. No, it's, you've shared that quite a bit with me. Yeah. Like what's, do you think that comes from the fact that you kind of saw a divorce or were there other factors that kind of played into that? Um, well, part of it was like going through the divorce, especially when you're young, you don't know what the heck is going on. Right. Um, I can't imagine since we have such a big family, my poor older siblings, like they were in the heart of teens when this was happening. Like my oldest brother's what, 13 years older than me. Yeah. So he was 13, 14, 15 when the divorce was going on 16, you know, yeah. that's hard. Um, for me, it was just my life. It was just what I grew up in. Um, but I remember as a young boy, the confusion of going from mom's house to dad's house and there being this random, this weird animosity in the situation. Um, it causes you just to be questionable. And then you see your other friends and their families and they're normal and they have mom and dad in the home and everybody's happy and they talk with each other. And you're your like, kids aren't dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you piece things together yeah. pretty quickly. And so, I don't know, just seeing that, it kind of made me, like I look back and I do realize with your question like yeah i can see where it stems from in that sense and then as well what i would say what else it stems from is that the divorce caused a lot of problems within our home 
um, and within our family. All, a lot of my siblings um, just have all headed in different directions, and I don't want to touch too much on it, but I've had a lot of siblings who have gotten into some pretty bad things and had a lot of difficulties there, and that doesn't change how I feel about them. I love them all very much. They're all my fam, and they'll be there forever and ever, you know, but because of this divorce and so on and so forth, it did cause them a lot of challenges. And thankfully, being the youngest, growing up through a family that, I'm just going to throw out a few things, um, but once again, not going to get too in detail, but growing up through, I, 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 I witnessed, you know, drug addictions, and I witnessed, you know, obviously like family, emotional kind of abuse situations, stuff like that. Um, growing up young and seeing all of that, it opened my mind very, very early and made me kind of realize like there's a lot of people in the world that go through problems. And then living in a place like Utah, mm. where that very much happens in a lot of places, but happens a little bit less than the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, seeing a lot of my friends and their families that didn't have those issues, that's where I realized like, oh, it's not normal. This is not normal. I thought when I was young that it was just everything I was going through was just kind of a normal situation. Right. But then it clicked and re I realized like, oh, there are families out there that don't have these crazy problems. Every family's got problems for sure. And everybody's got their random whatever, their beef and their weird family situations. Right. Yeah. But like I was like, there's a lot of immediate families that I know of that don't face these same struggles that I'm facing. Right. Must and have been really hard to kind of figure that out. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's where I think with what I was saying, like, I really, the man above, I am so, as weird as this sounds, so thankful for the divorce in the sense of it taught me so much. And I'm thankful for some bad decisions some family members had made in my life because their bad decisions ended up being good examples for me. You've kind of learned the person you didn't want to be. Exactly, exactly. And that's where I got so lucky. Um... And I say lucky in, in my life, I, can, I, I send it all up once again to a father in heaven looking out for one of his little boys. Um, but the play, like when I look back at it and I'm just like, I'm so lucky that at such a young age, I knew because of certain family members, I knew that drugs were bad. I knew that smoking was bad. <laughs> I knew that you know getting drunk was bad. And not I, just because your religion told you not exactly, to do those things. Not because religion, not because of anybody teaching me, you, you know, at school. saw the consequences exactly. of doing those things. And it's very, very bad. Um, for people out there who don't understand how bad drug addiction is, like, hey, if that hits you one day, it's, it's very, very bad. And so I saw that and just instantly knew that's not where I wanted to be. Yeah. And then I looked on the other side and there was a couple other... Um, family members, cousins, and close ones that I saw that weren't doing that. And I said, that's where I want to be. Um, and yeah. it was so clear. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I give it all like all up to the man above because it was just always clear. I never questioned it ever, ever. Yeah. You also mentioned um, like a while ago, like just in our conversations that we've had, that like when you moved to Provo, you made like a lot of friends. Like you're pretty popular. Like just everyone kind of loved you. You got along. I mean, you had your pocket of friends and then you kind of got along with other groups as well. Yeah. And from there, you kind of got invited to different homes and you made a lot of like new like friends that were essentially became second, third, fourth, fifth moms to you. hundred percent. Tell me a little bit about those relationships. How have those impacted you? Um, those relationships are honestly have saved my whole life. <laughs> like, I, I could credit a lot of a lot to the people that have been like mother figures to me. Um, it, you know, I once again I grew up with my dad, and so I never had a mom in the home up until, like I said, when my dad married my stepmom, um, and then even then, in all respect to my stepmom, um, and you know I love her dearly, and she's amazing, so on and so forth, and we'll touch up on her at the end of this episode, but uh she we struggled a lot like we could not get along um right and you can attribute all that to the combining of families all that stuff it's very complicated and it brings a lot of challenges but we could not get along and um, i'd been I, I i have been kicked out of the house multiple times when i was young like 15 
12, <laughs> like yeah. a young little boy, um, due to just certain situations, um, which is okay. Everybody's mistakes are made. People are forgiven. I don't hold any grudges to nobody and don't have any challenge in forgiving anybody for anything that happens sometimes. Life's mm -hmm. just hard. Um, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Obviously, protect yourself. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Anywho, so we couldn't get along. My two older siblings that lived with my stepmom, they moved out their senior year of high school, both of them, because they couldn't get along with her. I'm the only one who could actually make it through high school because I learned from them. <laughs> it was like, okay, I know how to be a little bit more patient yeah. with my stepmom. I know how to be a little bit more calm. Um, and so I stayed there. That's one thing, going back a couple questions. Sorry, I get a little all over, but I'll tie it back in. But going back a couple questions as far as ways that the divorce and stuff has affected me and family situations, I am naturally, I try so hard not to be, but I am naturally like an angry person and an aggressive person. <laughs> I really like, you probably haven't noticed, I try my best to be nice to people. And no, I, do, I can tell a little bit. I have a quick to react. Yes, I have a fiery edge. <laughs> and uh, I do look back at like the home situation and I can see why that kind of would have played an effect because well, it's nowadays triggering. yeah it's just things that trigger you and you get angry and i'm like that's not normal i need to relax <laughs> i need to chill um my older brother he's got he, i know he's listening to this and i know he knows i'm talking about him he's got more <laughs> anger problems but he's working on it too we're not really that angry we're really nice people i swear super nice <laughs> but, um, but if those fake punches ever landed <laughs> I would not be sitting in here right now. <laughs> Just pass away. The amount of fake punches been thrown at my face. <laughs> Obviously jokes, but... Yeah, for sure. Anywho. But yeah, going back to the question. So, yes, going back to the question and, and those other families. At home, I, I struggled being at home. I really did. And I lied a lot to not be at home. I tried my best to, hey, I have basketball practice at 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> for school go hang out with my friends and i really did not like to be at my home um and so i would go to my other friend's house and and i i really enjoyed their families and they have a lot of awesome mothers that were such good examples to me um as far as like just i don't know just kind and sweet and and caring and I'm not saying that my moms weren't but we just, at the time, didn't see eye to eye. And so we didn't have that necessarily necessary relationship, you know what I mean? Um, and so I, just making friends with people really quickly, it was really a blessing because their moms really took care of me a lot. And their dads too, but you know how moms are. They're just sweet and kind. Just that nurturing <laughs> sense in them. Exactly. And so I just, I, I'm so grateful for them. I can't imagine down the street, my friend's mom, Diane, oh my gosh, I can't explain how many times she's fed me. She took me on trips. She she just was really always there. Um, have and, I met Diane? I think I have. Uh, that's McCade's mom. I don't know if you oh, met her. No, I haven't met her. Okay, you probably, yeah, you probably haven't met her. I should. Um, but on the flip side, the people you've met, like Devin's family, Dinez, my barber, you guys know him. They're awesome. His family's amazing, and they've always treated me so awesomely and, and, and really taking really good care uh, of me in certain situations and just such a blessing. And so... Friends were so huge. I attribute a lot of getting friends to my pride in all honesty, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who, after they go through divorce or have any kind of traumatic experience like that, they, I don't know, they, they kind of shut off from the rest of the world, which I get 100%, and it makes sense because um, you're different, and it's, you know, your family life probably is really hard. And so to tie in a little bit of why life must go on comes into play is because I'm so thankful that I've been blessed with such a positive spirit and I really don't get too sad or angry for too long at all. Like yeah. I've never ever in my life faced with any problems of severe depression or anxiety. I've had both those things at some point, right? I'm sure we all have. Everybody goes through that at one point. But never anything that's crippled me in any way or that has made me struggle with overcoming. Um, I just am so lucky. I don't know. I'd go to school and people, once again, with normal situations at, at the home would be like, Monson, what makes you so positive? What makes you so happy? And I'm like, honestly. Like, I have no, I, 
<laughs> like, not my home. I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, trust me, I'm a little angry at times. You don't see it, but I just, I look at people who go through divorce and they're like, I don't want to get married because I don't want to go through divorce. I look at it and do the opposite. I say, I want to get married so that I can prove to everybody that whatever situation I've been through, it doesn't affect me as a person. It doesn't affect what my life's going to look like. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned from my entire childhood is just like I do things because I want to do them. And I want to have a lot of friends because at home, you know, <laughs> once again, my dad being self-sufficient, he doesn't hang out with people or he doesn't have a lot of like friends. I'm like, I want to do the opposite. I want to show people that even though my family is a little messed up and we have a lot of baggage, it doesn't affect me in my progression in life. It doesn't stop me from becoming friendly to people, from talking to people, from making really good friends and getting on your friend's mom's fridge. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't, I don't want my situation to stop me from excelling at the places in which I want to excel. And so I, I, I'm in this position now where I look at kids who go through even harder situations and they may not be blessed with the same positivity and I feel for that. And it makes me sad and I wish they could, but I hope that this message, and I'm going to continue on of course, but just this is like a minor, minor speech, but I really hope that this message just shows that everybody from any situation can be positive and everybody from any situation can overcome it. And it may be harder for others, and so I've taken it almost like a responsibility from like a God-given responsibility that he has blessed me with so many talents and abilities to overcome challenges that I've faced in life. And I've been so lucky to have a positive attitude that I want nothing more than to help other people have that same thing. Totally. I want other people to know that like, hey, you're not alone. It's normal. And, and we can get through this together. Um, and, yeah. I, you know, there's a quote that I mentioned today of Bob Marley. He got shot the night before a peace rally goes up. In fact, his wife was killed even that night. I didn't even touch up on that. Oh, wow. Um, and he goes up on stage the next day and sings. And they're like, why did you sing? It was dangerous. You got shot the other day. Yeah, like, you know they're out in the crowd. Exactly, but... exactly. He's like, what are you doing? And he said, the people that are trying to make this world worse aren't taking a day off, so how can I? And I think about that, and I, I put it on myself as a responsibility to... I've been blessed with that kind of positivity where if I got shot next day, you're going to catch me out there preaching the same message to people. And I want people to know that, like, life must go on. You know what I mean? No, I totally, I totally understand that. I think one of the cool things is, like, kind of going back to that Bob Marley quote, if you stop and kind of cave in throw the towel in mm. give in to all those negativity type things like depression anxiety yeah no matter how severe who like who are you letting win yeah, right exactly i mean we've got modern medicine to fix those things we've got therapists counselors whatever friends family hopefully mm. like if you don't use the resources around you who are you letting win yeah and i think about that i'm kind of in the same boat as you like yes i have times of depression Totally. Right? Life's not always easy. Mm. But if you give in to those, like, those gunners are going to win. And <laughs> yeah. it's the world's only going to become a sadder place because our positivity is not going to be in the world anymore. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. how sad would it be if Monson Flakes crying in his bed, playing video games and hiding out all day? Like, <laughs> it's awful. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. we have, we're, there's so much good we can all do, mm. all, even all, all of our listeners. 100%. And all, all we got to do is just raise our voice a little bit, put on a smile, even if it's fake. And At just, least try. Just you know try. I mean? Yeah. So I guess follow-up question to all this is like, what changed? Do you think it was the impact that those motherly figures had on you? Was it at school? Was it through your church? Kind of what, what, what was the trigger to go from like, Sad, angry, teenage, sassy Monson to <laughs> this godlike creature I have in front mediocre, of me. Mediocre, remember, mediocre <laughs> at best. Um, and humble, too. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just, there wasn't necessarily ever like a crazy change, per se. It was more of just events, like you talked about with, with your accident. It wasn't anything that just switched overnight. It was more just, I started seeing 
my life and the key points where there was those little changes. And looking back and seeing those moments, it really put me in a better direction. And so part of the, what I would say is there's people. It's probably the main thing that I could physically tell you. Like It was these people in my life that made a huge change, that made a huge turn. Yeah. Um, a lot of siblings that were great examples, a lot of uncles, a lot of cousins that were great examples. Um, those people, a lot of friends, those are the people that really made the biggest difference. Everything else just kind of naturally flowed. But those examples that they pre- presented to me, that is uh, kind of what I took and and ran with. And so I guess fast forwarding through that timeline as far as we moved in with Lisa, going up to high school and graduating high school, um, I remember <laughs> I was on top of the freaking world. Oh, okay? boy. Here we and, go. Uh, <laughs> I guess your seatbelts, <laughs> listeners. High school I peaked in high school. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but uh, I just graduated by the hair of my chin, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Dinez, if you're listening to this, me and you, brother, we figured out the same day that we were graduating, me and Devin. Um, hand in hand. Yeah, hand in hand, just a bunch of morons and never went to school enough and never tried hard enough. And Anywho, but look at us now. We're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> but uh, graduation came up excited. I was like, sick. Graduated high school. I'm so excited. I had a girlfriend at the time. Things were going really well at this point. This is kind of, with your question, this is kind of post-Monson after a little bit of a change, which I don't yeah. want to go dive into too much. Yeah, you could. Overall, it's just little pieces here. Gradual. Yeah, exactly. Got better. So I graduate high school, top of the world, got a girlfriend. We're doing stellar. And uh, as I've mentioned on the show before, for the people who who don't know about our church and things like that we do have an opportunity where you can choose to go somewhere for two years and teach people the gospel and serve people and help others it's awesome sweet experience um and during this time i was debating okay i think it's time for me to go and and i want to do that and like this seems like the right thing for me to do and so it'd been probably just a few weeks after graduation like two weeks and i'm pumped up and uh i'm driving down the street and it's me, my girlfriend at the time, and then Dinez is in the back seat. And we just had a little activity, the three of us, which was funny, but just had a little activity. And then my girlfriend's mom was like, hey, I got pizza at the house or something like that. And so we're like, sick, let's go get some food. It's going to be a great time. Um, I guess to tie, I'm trying to tie it all in together. Throughout life, there was a gradual change, and this was kind of the peak, and then this is what happens next. So we're driving over to her house, and on our way there, I have no idea how. I just completely lost track, uh, lost sense. You know like when you're just driving sometimes, and you're just zoned out, and then you you get somewhere, you're like, wow. You're like, well, I'm like 20 minutes down the road. Yeah, you're like, how did I get here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that happened to me mid-drive. Music's not too loud. No one's distracting me. There's nothing confused. I, I, it honestly like was an out-of-body experience. Autopilot. Yeah, for reals. And I ran a red light, and we got T-boned really hard. And this situation was awful. Um, <laughs> I was driving my stepmom's car, which, like I've mentioned, me and my stepmom, we had some problems. I was driving her car. Um, I was just borrowing it, you know. They were out of town, which makes it even worse. So here I am, I get into this car accident, spin around, smoke, gasoline up in the air, it just smells awful, my breath's completely gone, Our car, my car's completely folded like a freaking omelet, um, just the whole side smashed in, and the worst part is that where my girlfriend was sitting, girlfriend at the time, where she was sitting, we're going to call her Sarah, where Sarah was sitting, um, that's where she got hit, like right on, the, right on her door. And thankfully, she's a small person, because when I went back and looked at the wreckage, the seat looked like an accordion, dude. Like, if I was sitting there, if Dinez was sitting there... Did it fold in half? Like, it didn't backrest fold. backrest down, or... It, backrest was still up, but, like, the seat itself, where your bum goes, was yeah. just squished together. Like, like the good sand. thing she's a little person, because if that was Dinez or me, we would have just been... There like, goes our hips, you hips know what I mean? broken, yeah. folded. However, the car accident was very severe, and I'm like catching my breath yo like is everybody okay i'm coughing and 
Devin's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. And I'm like, hey, I'm all right. And then I look over at Sarah, <laughs> and she said, I can't feel my legs. And this was like a shocking, oh shocking moment for me. Um, so I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, I get out of the car, go and check if the other guy's okay, and he's all right. He was a little pissed off, which I understand why. <laughs> so I just let him chill. I said, okay, do whatever you're doing. Sorry about that. I'm so sorry, dude. Like, And I'm freaking out, and I know in my mind, Oh, my stepmom's going to kill me. <laughs> this is so bad. That's the so first bad. thought that crosses your yeah, mind. Always, you're like, 100%. this is not my car. Yep. I'm screwed. I'm so screwed. I'm going to have to pay for all of this. Bad, bad situation. So I go back, try to get her door open. It's locked. Well, it's not locked, but it's like sealed shut. Yeah. Um, so paramedics come. I call 911 really quick. So they show up, and then the firemen show up to chop the door off. And as they are putting her in a stretcher, um, I'm on the phone with her mom awfulest phone call I've ever made calling her mom and I'm looking over and they're putting her in a stretcher and getting ready to put her in the ambulance and thankfully we're just down the street from the hospital so the ambulance didn't cost too much <laughs> but uh tell her mom what had happened and then she hung up real quick and was like I'll meet you there yeah. so it runs over thankfully she was cool enough to let me hop in the ambulance <laughs> I've never been in one so I'm in the ambulance and granted during this whole time I'm in a lot of pain myself my entire sides all bruised up Did you break anything like any ribs or I didn't break anything but I sliced my kidney and so we go to the hospital and she is she fractured her back in four spots um, and was like, Holy crap. like the doctor, doctors are a bunch of bums, bro. Th- let me tell you. Okay. They're not bums. Good on them. Thanks for saving. But, um, bum in the sense of this guy was so heartless. I'm sitting outside the emergency room. She's in there with her parents and I'm just like my life. Seriously, I'm, I'm ruined. And my parents are going to kill me. And this is so bad. This is so, so bad. And he comes out and he's talking to me and he's like, yeah, the car that hit you, if he was going two, three more miles per hour faster, she'd probably either be dead or paralyzed. And I was just like, thanks, man. Thanks, Buck Tom. You want a freaking cookie? Yeah. That's, they always say, like, if it was just an inch higher. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, you're lucky I'll throat punch you right now, my boy. Anywho, thanks. Anywho, but glad she was okay, and she's now okay. She runs. She's normal. She was just like a month. She couldn't really walk. <laughs> but she's totally fine now and, and, yeah. and, and totally cool. But during that time, my brother, thankfully, who was in town, he came and supported me it was really really awesome and helped me in the situation and i stayed at his house that night because once again my parents were out of town and then it was just dreading the day when they came home and when i oh that night i went home back to the kidney real quick went home went to the bathroom and <laughs> i didn't go to the emergency room because i knew how much money it would cost and i knew i had to pay for everything and you've never been to the doctor and anyways. i've never been to the doctor anyways so i'm like uh yeah, I can't go. I even went in and sat down. They put a gown on me, and then I said, Doc, I got to go. I was like, I can't pay for this. <laughs> so I left. Dude, what did he say? And he was like, oh, you, had to, you have to sign a paper saying that you can leave, Yeah. like that you chose to leave. So I signed the paper, limped my way out, and then went to my brother's house. And that night, I didn't sleep at all, um, like at all. Just stressed. Stressed, in pain. And so it's probably like 3 a.m. Pee and blood. Yeah, I go into the bathroom and just pee just blood no <laughs> yeah that's a red flag yeah and no oh, doctor li- literally red flag pun intended you oh know my what i mean gosh. um so yeah just pee and blood and <sighs> went to the doctor next day found out next day i didn't even go that night <laughs> i just waited it out <laughs> thinking like, it would get tired. better i'm not gonna go right well, i was now. hoping it would get better i was like i oh, will see in the morning my brother's like your decision do you think you're gonna die i was like no nah, i think i'm all right <laughs> bad idea just go to the doctor thankfully i had sliced the outside of my kidney it didn't puncture anything <sighs> Um, if it would have punctured my kidney, that's a whole different story. That's like death is, you know, hours away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so thankfully didn't puncture my kidney, but just sliced it on the outside. And so that's the blood was just going right into my ear. Um, anywho, so time goes on me and this girl. Oh, actually, before we get to that time goes on and I am waiting for my parents to come home. They come home a couple days later and Mm -hmm. it's an awful, awful experience. They're like, can you pick us up from the airport? You're like, negative yeah. ghost rider? <laughs> no, I, I called them and told them before, so okay. they already knew. So I was really just waiting the wrath of my stepmom. Right. And she she was a very, you know, passionately angry person. <laughs> and so I, I go home, just took it right on the chin. I said, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I'll pay for everything. And I, I really manned up. 
I did my best to just be a man about it and just accept it, right? And I said, I'll pay for everything, make sure it's taken care of. She, for some reason, had some fears that I wasn't going to do that, and it caused a lot of problems. Long story short, I ended up getting in a huge fight with her and got kicked out of the home. So I was at the peak. I graduated. I was doing good. School. I had my boys, my girlfriend. Things were great. And then this happens. I get kicked out of the house, and I moved in with my brother for a little bit, picked up a second job, and then moved in with my other brother because he was closer to my second job. Yeah. And, dude, it was so awful. I worked at freaking Chuck-A-Rama for the second job, if no. anybody knows. Chuck-A-Freaking-Rama. <laughs> and I hated it. But I worked there for the second job because I needed the money. And remember, all this time, I'm also wanting to go on this mission where I want to go. Which and, costs a lot. Which costs a lot of money and all the money I had for it to the car accident. So I'm zero. Right. I'm complete zero. And so I move in with my brother. I sleep in his basement on some mats that he had. He had like two foam pads, and that's what I slept on. <laughs> Like for camping. Dinez always makes fun of me, and, and so him and Mikey, they always make fun of me and say I was sleeping on newspaper, <laughs> which is pretty much the case. They'd put a little dog bowl next to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thankfully, my brother was awesome enough and, and had a place for me to stay. Love those guys. Super good people. But there I am, and life sucked. Life sucked a lot. Like, I had just gotten in the hugest fight with my parents, and I didn't talk to them really for a long time, like, for a while and I was kind of alone and I had my friends I had Mikey and Dinez especially at the at that time um and then I had my girlfriend picked up the second job and I'm working like how long is this session by the way we're at 46 minutes so you're but this is the addition to the start yeah, yeah that one's 46 yeah got you okay so I picked up another job um, and I worked so many hours. I worked at a convention center, which did like events and stuff. Also not a fun experience, <laughs> but they would work events that went late into the nighttime. And so I'd work at freaking Chuck's early in the morning, you know, at like whatever till whenever till the afternoon. And then I'd come home and then sleep or try to do something for a second and then go to the other job. And there was some day, like one day I worked like 16 hours. <laughs> As a little boy, 18-year-old, fresh, sad, and depressed. That's hard, man. Awful. And uh, so I had a lot of days like that where, it, I don't know, things really, really sucked and were not going my well, my way. And it was seriously like a movie where I was like, well, I've been kicked out of my house. Oh, and then with the mission, prepping to go serve for the church, I kept getting denied because I kept failing my urine test. Because there's probably still blood in exactly. the test. And so I, so that was happening, and I was just like, things have gone so south. And I was like, well, at least anything can get worse, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> it gets worse. And this girl that I was dating, after she'd been healed and everything, she uh, broke up with me. And at the time, dude, I could have handled it better. I was young and immature, first off. Right. And then the situation itself was just awful. And Did so you see I, this, like, going long-term with her? Uh, yeah, like, you know, of course. Of course. And when you're young, that's what you see, you know? And uh, nowadays, like, obviously not. But when you're young, it, it's what you see. And we'd been dating for quite a while, like a year. And so this happens, and I'm just like, Father above, you hate me. <laughs> my life sucks. You I tried so hard. hard. I made these changes in my life to be a better boy because I trusted you. And here I am. I'm broke and I'm sad and I got no freaking money. Or home. And, or home and I'm homeless. Kind of. Thankfully, I had my brother. Thankfully. But it just, that's what it yeah. felt like. Felt really alone. Um, and uh, it was really, really hard. There was a couple nights where like I just sit downstairs and I try to read from the good word. And it's just hard to. You come home. And I was so tired from the stupid jobs. And I'd come home and look at my bed and just be like, I sleep on these stupid mats and my stinking back hurts. And <laughs> I'm just angry. And I'm peeing blood. And, peeing and I have blood. no girlfriend anymore. And I have no girlfriend. Anywho, so shortly after this, I, I, I really did hit kind of my rock bottom where I was Part at the two. point where I could not. I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I was like, Heavenly Father, I just, I'm struggling, man. I really need help. And 
a little time goes by and I'm just trying, just trying my best to be a decent person and still wanted to go on this mission. I just didn't know if it was going to happen. And I was at the point where I was like, well, maybe I don't go because God's clearly putting roadblocks in my way. You know what I mean? He's clearly upset at me, which isn't how he actually works. <laughs> but yeah. I'm like, clearly there's a problem. So maybe I just don't go and I just stay home, whatever. You know, I was like, sure, I wanted to do a good thing, I thought. But now I'm getting shut down, so I might as well just not. Um, I got contacted or... Things slowly started working out. There was some money for the bills that I owed that randomly got paid off. To this day, I still don't know how. I really don't. I have they no just idea. randomly came. Just randomly were paid. And I don't know if my stepmom had some softened heart and did it. I have no idea. She never told me. I don't know. I don't know who or how. No idea. Um, thankfully, I had some awesome church leaders that knew the situation and they helped out a lot. And um, when it came to that mission, you know, going going out and serving, that they helped a lot there too when it comes to financial. And it was just, it was really humbling. And eventually I passed my stupid urine test yeah. and I got my mission call. And, it, they, you know, you get it in the mail, it's a really cool experience, and you read it and it said, Mons Flake, yada, yada, you've been called to serve in the South Africa Durban mission. And I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, this is it just sick. sounds cool. I was like, that's so awesome. South Africa. And it just fit and it sounded awesome. And over time, I'm still working and life's still pretty, you know, whack, but I got good people around me and I'm starting to see some positivity. I got a call from a really awesome guy, and I'm going to give him a shout-out. His name is Rick Leishman. He owns Leishman's Dental. Um, Leishman and Crawford Dental, I believe that's called. He is super awesome human being. He's always been a great family friend of mine. It's Maddie's dad. You know Maddie. Yeah. Um, and he's just awesome, awesome guy. And he called me out of the blue. I don't know how he heard the situation. I never told him. Somebody must It just got leaked or something. I don't know. But he called me one Saturday night. I was sitting in my basement, in my brother's basement, just probably playing xbox or something just sad and i was like oh, yeah oh there's so much stress <laughs> and he called me and was just like hey uh i heard you're in quite the pickle how about i take you to uh mr mac and we'll get you some clothes for your uh mission we'll get you some clothes for your uh, service and uh i about dude i had probably one shirt to my name that was like ugly and crusty um as far as when you were 12 years old yeah like yellow like white shirt belly shirt now <laughs> the buttons are all messed up yeah you know and he took me and bought me all of he bought me slacks he bought me suit he bought me shoes belts ties literally all the stuff i used my whole mission is from him um stuff, awesome. some of the stuff i still have is from him and uh i just i just cried on the phone it was just like thank you man like that just thank you and uh it, from there things started looking up and slowly these things started working out and I look back at that experience and how pinnacle that was for me it was so incredible to see like okay life started off a little rough but I got my feeding and then in high school I made some dumb decisions and was being a little wild but then made a cool change and now I'm ready to go on my mission I'm on my peak I graduated and then God just humbled me and I needed it and I look back and I needed this humbling and the whole car accident, the whole experience there was so important to me because it changed my view of everything. And you think, uh, this is where I just, I kind of suck a little bit. Like, it takes me two, three, five times to get something down. And you think the divorce would have humbled me. You think that, you know, the family issues at home would have humbled me. But no, it didn't. And God's like, we still got to do something for him. So here's another one. Let's take it to the extreme. <laughs> you know? Let's, like, just hold him an inch from death. <laughs> exactly. Him and his friends. And maybe he'll finally realize. <laughs> and it really did change my perspective on a lot. And that car accident attributed to so much. Fast forward, I'm on the mission now. Never thought I would be, but I made it. And I'm in South Africa. And this is just one story I'll share from that because that's a whole long time. But one story that I'll share from the whole experience, two years of my life from there, there's this kid named Sisle, Sisle Ngema, my boy. Um, super awesome kid, stellar young man. The first person in his area at all, his first person in his whole province that was going to go to, uh, or in his whole township, sorry, 
that was going to go on, on the same thing I was doing, the same service. He was going to do a mission. First person ever in that whole area. Um, the That's first, awesome. yeah, amazing, amazing young man. Um, and he obviously didn't have anything and they lived in very, very poor circumstances. Um, you know, it's very, very tough place and they're tough people. And he needed some mission clothes to wear and he needed suits and ties and stuff. And so <laughs> I had two suits, one that I had gotten myself and then the one that Rick had gave me. The one that Rick had given me was for some reason so big. <laughs> and I thought we got it fit a little bit better, but the pants were huge. Like, da na 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 da na da na can't touch this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it was, uh, they looked like hammer pants. <laughs> and they were huge. And my whole mission, I attempted to get them shrunken a little bit. And every time I did it, it, gets, it didn't work out. It just, for some reason, it, there was something that came up and it never worked. Fast forward. So I never really wore the suit, in all honesty. I wore it like once right. or twice. And... Fast forward, I'd been out now for over a year, and so I'm used to Africa, it's my place, they're my people, and I'm really enjoying it, and this boy's getting ready to go, and they were like, we need to figure out how to get him a suit, and I was like, hold up, I, I have one. He's probably one of the only South Africans that's like like African, a Zulu boy, who is larger than me, <laughs> 95% of Zulu people are really short and really little, he's like 6'6". Six, six, and thick, Dude, way thick, big boy. a lot bigger than me. And uh, so I'm like, hey, this this might work. And I get this suit, and it fits him literally perfectly, like to a T. No and once again, me trying to be the man, I just cried. I just like, it's just so awesome to see that God had provided for me when I really needed it. And I went through some really awful experiences to get that freaking suit, but... I would go through that experience again to see the same smile that I seen on his face when I gave him that super sweet, nice navy blue suit. That's awesome. Um, and so he took it, and it just like, I don't know, all these experiences, all of these situations that I have been in, that you have been in, it's just, as much as it was awful in the moment, and as much as I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that again, to be able to use a circumstance that sucked and help somebody else that it makes the entire experience worth it if i could just help one person from an awful situation that i went through i'm grateful i went through that situation because that person needed it and it's really hard to look back and be resentful of a childhood of family trauma and stuff like that because i just am grateful for it and i'm just like i now am in a position where Yes, I went through some hard crap and it sucked at the time, but now I have the ability to reach out to others and help them in their situations and to benefit their lives and to bless them. And just being able to bless even just one person makes all that experience worth it. And it just makes me, I'm, I'm about to cry. I'm not going to cry. Yeah, I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it just made me realize how important all those things were and that Bob Marley quote, like, I can't take a day off because there's people out there that need help. And sure, I've been through some BS, but I'm willing to put all that BS behind me because I'm going to use it to help somebody. And we'll probably pause there because it's going to take too long to get into Lisa's experience. We'll do a part two. Yeah, we Don't can do a worry. part two. But uh, at that point was really a huge turning point. And I came home from my mission and things didn't necessarily get easier. <laughs> not at all actually but we'll talk about that another time but perspective was opened and I realized that you know we have challenges in life and it's up to us to make the best out of what we have and I believe that life in some way or another is is unfair if that makes sense but everything yeah. is fair in the sense of we we are not forgotten by the man above and he knows our situations and he would never put us in a situation that we couldn't come out of. Never. And so me in my situation, you in your situation, everybody out here listening in your situations, God already has a way for you to be able to overcome that and, and, and make something of it. And so this is really what led me up to being like, you know, I really want to help people. And I want people to see that there is a light at the end of that freaking dark tunnel. And life must go on is so awesome and me and Hayden have such an awesome opportunity here to be able to use our experiences and use our past, not to glow, to be like, look at us now, but to say, hey, there's people out there who got it worse that we now have the ability to help. 
and just the idea of life must go on. I can't emphasize enough. It's not just life must go on, but it's literally life must go on. Like you are important, and although you go through hard things, and I'll go through, although you go through difficult circumstances, or you've been given a tough lot, or just bad luck, or someone's just done you wrong. Even though you have those things, you are important, and the situations that you have, they're teaching you so that you can teach others, and so that you can help others, and that you can be a light to others, and. That's how I feel, and I, it drives me every single day just to be a little bit more decent. And I'm, once again, 6 out of 10, but Hayden makes up the other four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not in limbs. But. <laughs> Not in limbs. <laughs> He's just two in limbs, but in heart, for sure, four. Um, he makes up that other four, and, and uh, we got a really good thing here. And so everybody, that's what life must go on is. That's why I do it. And and that's why that's why we're here. Awesome. That's yeah. What I'm thanks for sharing that experience, Mons, and we're we're glad to be working together and and to give you guys some some good stories. Um, as Monson mentioned, we do have got some really good people that are coming on with some really inspirational stories of obviously really hard times they've been through and just how they've been able to get through it. Mm. Um, either later this week or next week we might have a little special episode monson kind of concluding his story here we want to try and keep our episodes a little bit shorter so you guys don't get bored <laughs> yeah gee sorry <laughs> could have gone on for hours and hours monson's great at talking so <laughs> we'll we'll get that set up and and we're, we're excited to do it but thanks again monson this has been awesome hey thank you hayden good questions um all right team that's us. That's a wrap. We out. <laughs>